Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. So Father, thank you now for the word as we look into it today. Thank you, Father, that you assist me to deliver it uh, clearly and accurately, Lord. Thank you that you give everyone ears to hear that it's not just words, but it's revelation knowledge that people, uh, the eyes of people's understandings are enlightened uh, and that we see things in the spiritual realm and it's, it sets us free. We ask that in Jesus' name. And we continue to thank you for Australia. Lord, we thank you that you continue to talk to the leaders of this country, Father, that, you, that their hearts are in your hand and you lead and guide and, and that they're navigated by you. And we ask that in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, Friday, I attended a, a leadership meeting, uh, just a church down the road that I'm friends with the pastor. I was really encouraged uh, by the minister that spoke. He came in from California. He was the founder of the Bethel movement. Uh, I mean, not the Bethel, the, uh, the Jesus culture movement. He came out of Bethel and uh, really he was funny, great, good to hear from him. And, but he said a lot of things that the Lord has been even working on me. I even mentioned some of them last week in the, the message I did. So it was really nice to hear uh, another minister and it was really bearing witness with me, really was edified. And, uh, but he was basically really, it was mainly about all of us examining our motives, you know, what motivates us, why do we, why do, we do the things we do, what's behind it. And, uh, and so that's been going on in my life. And so I'm gonna be talking a little bit about that today. But I was thinking about, you know, because Jesus said he was going to build his church. We'll look at that scripture. But, you know, church builders and uh, all of those kind of things, building things. Then I got thinking, that, like there's home builders, all these builders we have in society. There's both commercial and domestic builders, you know. There's bodybuilders. There's reputation builders. There's retirement nest egg builders. There's website builders, there's infrastructure builders, there's mailing list builders, and I could just go on. There's a lot of different builders. You know, there's like builders in society, and um, builders are necessary. Uh, they, they've made the world a better place, and so uh, we don't look down on anything like that. But all of the different builders that I've mentioned, you can build a great website, but hey, we can't take the website to heaven, can we? And so uh, we, we wanna talk this morning about being like uh, people builders. And so what I want to speak on today uh, briefly is build a ministry or build people. That's like a question. Because like, what, what are we in it for? Uh, are we in it to build ministry or are we in it to build people? Okay. So I'm saying all this based on eternal goals. Like an eternal goal would be long range and then we would have a short-term goal. Like a short-term goal, hey, I got a holiday plan, that's short-term. Like, hey, I'm studying at university and I'm gonna get a, a degree here, that's a short-term goal. Probably with a long-term thing about getting a job, but eternity is like eternal, is that, that's really long range. That's way out there. So just thinking about like, when we look way out there and we look into eternity, it helps us to navigate our everyday lives with a much greater purpose, okay? Uh, and I think that's important that we do every day with that eternity in mind, much greater purpose. So like 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11, 
this is kind of a scripture that really catches the attention. It says, now these things happened to them as an example, talking about Old Testament, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the ends of the ages has come. And so that was like written 2,000 years ago, plus or minus some years. But as soon as Jesus came, as soon as he did all of the sacrificial things he did for us, his substitutionary work for us, as soon as that began, that was the start of the end of an age. It's the end of the church age. And, and even the end of ages, because there's, at the end of all of that, there's going to be some major changes. So we're really getting close to these things. So that kind of awakens us, like why, why is it so important to live with eternity in mind? And I think that's one reason, if, and if, what, what a good reason. But then look at this too. I thought this was interesting that these two scriptures, they, one of them kind of, it talks about the beginning of an age and the other talks about the end of an age, like Matthew 16 and verse 18, it says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. That's Jesus walking on the earth, and he's, in a sense, prophesying that the church is coming. And he, says, and he said, it's going to come, and I'm going to build it. That's the beginning of the end of an age. But then look at Revelations 1-7. It says, behold, he is coming with the clouds. That's like the end of an age. But then look at this, too. You, t you talk about something that really awakens uh, our spirits, and every eye will see him. Billions of people, it says every eye. That's a lot of eyes. <laughs> They're going to see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth shall gaze upon him and beat their breasts and mourn and lament over him. Even so must it be. Amen. So be it. Amplified version. I purposely chose that version too uh, because it just says it a little bit more dramatic. This event is going to be the biggest event ever. You, you remember I told the story, and, and, and this is like, I don't know, months ago, but my niece, my oldest brother's daughter, we were back in Ohio visiting family, and she just made this comment. She didn't realize when she made it I was going to come after her. But she said, the, the greatest thing that ever happened in my life is One Direction, you know, that music group. Now, she was younger back then, obviously. And so with my big mouth, I couldn't keep it closed. Patsy wasn't there to kick me or hit my leg under the table. To be quiet <laughs> and I said really I said so Jesus is your Lord and you're saying the biggest event is one direction I said the biggest event should be like you receive Jesus as Lord and she goes uncle Tony you know what I mean you know I did you know that that's just understood it was like the next big event which you know I thought maybe it sounded bigger than the other one so we were just in Ohio on this last trip, and I, I saw her. She's now with, you know, she has a newborn baby. And I said, hey, uh, Hannah, her name's Hannah. I said, you remember that time that you said this, and then I said that? She goes, I sure do, Uncle Tony. She goes, I've grown up since then. <laughs> but you talk about big events. This is going to be a big one. Yeah. 
So it's going to be in more than one dimension because it says every eye will see him, even those that pierced him. Well, they're dead for a while, haven't they been dead? Because this event's going to happen in the natural where he's going to come down in the clouds and people who are not Christians, who are not born again, they're going to see him with their natural eye, but heaven and hell are both going to see them with spiritual eyes. It's going to be a huge event, a huge event. This helps me. I don't know about you, but it helps me to think eternally when I read scriptures like this. You know, so, I, you know, I was just sitting with, I, I think, I don't know if I was with one of my daughters. And they, there was a commercial that came on. It was, oh, I know what it was. I think I was in, in uh, South Carolina with my older daughter. And there was like uh, her, her, her husband. You remember the first thing about the shark jaws, that first one? that came out, he was watching it. And I go, wow, they've come a long way with uh, the special effects. You know, that it didn't look very good, you know, the shark, and it was like really basic, and now they've come like really a long way. You know, the way our entertainment in Hollywood is, it can be so like amazing and dynamic and wow, and it captures everyone's attention. That's gonna be like nothing compared to this event. This event, is going to be the mind-boggling event, and he's coming back. So he's in heaven now, and he's not on the earth, but he said, I'm going to build my church. He's the master builder, and he's going to... So he, he's the one that said church. You, if you ever wonder where church came from, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. Now, of course, it, was a, it wasn't an English word, but that was the English word they came up with, the called-out ones. We're the called-out ones. We've been called out. That's the ecclesia, the church. Okay, and he said he would build that. He's the master builder. And so the New Testament church is made up of people. People. Um, it's not, so thank God I told you about our building. This is just a wonderful place to assemble. It's nice, but this is not the church. It's a building. The church is people. So that's why I say we can choose to build a ministry or build church. But when you choose to build church, that means you're building people, okay? So um, look at Haggai 1.8. It says, go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple. And I just thought that was interesting because in the Old Testament, the church was, we talk about to make sure we are really clear when we, we divide, accurately divide between the Old and the New Testament in the Old Testament, we say it was more of an outward thing. I mean, they fought with swords. They, they fought like battles like that. And in the New Testament, we don't fight with us. We fight with a spiritual sword. We don't fight against flesh and blood. Everything was more exterior there. And in the New Testament, everything is interior. So I thought it was like really interesting that you go to a mountain to get some wood to build a, a, like a dwelling place for God. And in the New Testament, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is going to come and the kingdom is going to be within you. It, the kingdom is in us. So, so when we talk about building, we're talking about building people. Look, here's just like a few um, pics for you. Um, you know, that's the Old Testament there. Like you see this one, that, uh, that, that's Old Testament. Then look at the next one. See, that's a dwelling place that God had in the Old Testament. Uh, 
we're, we're the dwelling place now. So they would build something like that for God to dwell in. And, and Jesus made it possible so he could come inside of us and he's dwelling in us. You know, in the Old Testament, if somebody went into the presence of God and they were at a position, they, it wasn't their, their office and they didn't sanctify themselves, that you had to have a, a few ways to get in there. It, first of all, you had to have the official, you know, permission or position to go in, but then you had to sanctify yourself before you got near the presence of God. People that did it wrong would fall over dead. Sin could not come near God. When sin came near God, whoever was that, they fell over dead. Because of the shed blood of Jesus, God made it possible for, for all of us that confess Jesus as Lord, a bunch of all of us sinners, for him to come on the inside of us. And, and instead of falling over dead, because of the sin, we become alive. We be, we're made alive because Jesus paid the penalty for that sin. It's wonderful. So that, that contrast between the old and the new. So our building materials are not wood. Our building materials are spiritual in the covenant that we're in. Okay. So with all of that said, let's just talk, like, let's like just talk briefly about our mission based on eternity. So as a church, individually and corporately, what is the first thing that we want to do? And I, and I know that we all live life, we work jobs and we do that. So I'm not saying that we don't do that, but we, we still do Christianity while we're doing all those things. So we can say, well, what, what am I here for? Well, the first thing is that we want to bring people, I'm going to do this like baseball. So, you know, first base, second base, third base and home plate, that's like the baseball diamond. And I really don't watch baseball. If you're a baseball fan, I don't want to be offensive, but I, I don't watch a lot of that. I kind of like watching NFL football where these like big monsters are running full blasts into each other and making big noises and <laughs> getting knocked around. That's, that's kind of like what I watched. Uh, baseball's a little bit calm, but it's, it's precise. But anyway, so for, what is first base? That would be salvation. Like so as a church, as individuals, and as a church, we want to get people to first base. And getting somebody to first base means that we want to, they need to get saved, okay? And uh, that happened with me. I'm so thankful that I got to first base when I was 23 years old. Somebody was bold enough to tell me about Jesus. Um, and I'm so glad that they, that person did. Lou was his name. So the church is spiritual, and the church uses spiritual materials, and spiritual materials, they work and complement one another. So even the Bible says the deep things, deep calls the deep. Even for understanding spiritual things, people that are not a Christian, they don't understand spiritual concepts. So that's why even a lot of times when Christians uh, say things in a public forum, that shouldn't be said in front of the world, it brings a lot of confusion because the world doesn't understand it. And so there's just some things that we don't need to say to an unsaved person because it just brings more questions. So the Lord help us to have wisdom there. But John chapter one and verse 12, just what we're talking about, it says, but to all who believe him, believed him and accepted him. So for every one of us, if you're sitting here and Jesus is your Lord, somebody told you, you believed it and you accepted him and you received him as Lord. And then he gave them the right to be the children of God. And then look at verse 13. It says, they are reborn. 
not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Okay? And so this birth that we have has nothing to do with physical. Now here's like a pic. I know that this is just an artist or somebody did this, but you know, this might be like an example. I've said this before, you know, God's up in heaven and when God looks down on the earth, God sees two groups of people. He sees those that have the kingdom in them, they're reborn, and then he sees the ones that are not. Now God so loved the world that he gave his son and he shed his blood for this group of people that we, we sometimes are tempted to look down on because of their lifestyles. But Jesus died for them. But when God looks down, he sees these two groups of people. He sees his church and he sees the ones that aren't his church. Now in society, the media and all that, they try to make all these divisions between people, social classes, color, race, and all that stuff. And what they do a lot of times is get people to bump heads, argue, fight, compete, all of that kind of stuff. That's what, that's what the media will do. As Christians, we need to be wise and not allow the media to pull us into anything like that. Because that's what they really want to do is pull us into that where we all fight between one another. But what's important to God is that people are born again. I said it last week that when Nicodemus came to Jesus uh, and he brought up the miracles, you know, that's what attracted Nicodemus to Jesus. It's almost like I know you're um, sent from God because of the miracles. And Jesus instead, instead of saying, yeah, man, I'm the son of God. And, you know, I, I did work some miracles. That ain't nothing. I got, I got a lot more coming. He didn't. No, he, he said, you must be born again. He immediately put it back that you must be born again. And so I think it's really important to know that Jesus himself focused on you must be born again. God sent his son to die for sinners. So why are we here? We're here to first of all get people to first base so they can get saved. Look at John 3, 3. Jesus replied to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, and Jesus never lies. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Very, he's very clear there. And then verse 4, what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can you, an old man, go back into his mother's womb and be born again? So again, people that are not spiritual have a very hard time understanding spiritual concepts. So he brought it to the natural. But then Jesus again in verse 5 says, I assure you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. So we're washed, you know, the, the, the scripture says that we're washed by water, you know, we're washed of our sins. And anyway, say, I did it the first service. I don't have it in my note. Water of the word. So don't, so don't get too deep with that. It just means the word and the spirit that we're, we're born again that way. So Nicodemus could only make heaven by going through Jesus. It didn't matter if he was wealthy. It didn't matter if he was successful. It didn't matter if he was studied up. None of that mattered. Jesus said, you must be born again. So we're living in this world, and the only way that people can get to him is through Jesus. And so one of our principal objectives 
as individuals and as a church is to bring people to first base. In other words, they need to be born again. That's first base. Secondly, second base, and that's this. It's like once you get to first base, you need to be established and trained. So you've heard me mention this church in St. Louis that I'm on the board of that church and I was just there uh, on our last trip and I, you, every time I'm back there, I, I usually speak there and then we have a board meeting and it's, it's even more than that. I'm like the pastor is a dear friend and so that's why I've, I'm doing what I'm doing because of the friendship. But um, I don't know how many years ago it is, it was Super Bowl 34, you know, the football Super Bowl and the quarterback for that team along with about eight or ten team members, they attended that church, and they won a Super Bowl. And um, that uh, quarterback, his name is Kurt Warner. He now works for the NFL Network, so he's the, he, you know, he explains football, and he, had, he does football games, that kind of stuff. So he's kind of a young Christian back then. He got saved, and him and his wife are young Christians, and they're attending this church. And because of their profile, because, you know, hey, they're so famous, they could have immediately had large groups of people to speak with and go into the ministry really quick. But my, my pastor friend, he's a wise guy. Not that way, like, wise guy, eh? No, not, not that one, but <laughs> a wise man. <laughs> and so he said, no, you, you, you shouldn't move this fast. You need to get established and trained. So you don't want to move too fast. You know, Bob Dylan moved real fast and then he got out there really big and it didn't go that great so I just googled to make sure what I say today is somewhat accurate there's stuff written about Bob Dylan he said some things that were flaky because he got out there and he didn't really get established or trained so my pastor friend said no you, you need to move slower so here here's a, a pic here this is the movie that was just made on Kurt Warner he's in the Hall of Fame by the way and so this is a movie, it's called American Underdog. I don't know how long it's been out. That's not Kurt Warner, that's the movie star that played him. And then here's another one, here's Kurt, and that's the actor. Kurt's the guy with some gray hair there, and that's the actor, the younger one. So that's the real Kurt Warner, he's in the Hall of Fame. And then here's another pic, this is, and look at the, I mean, that's not a pic, I took a, a screenshot there. It says, Kurt Warner stands firm in his faith all the way to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So why am I bringing that up? Because, see, Kurt Warner, he made Jesus his Lord, and he lived for him. It wasn't like I'm going to fit him in. He was everything. And so all the way, the people noticed that, that Kurt Warner, whoever wrote that article, they knew that, hey, he went all the way to the Hall of Fame, and he never backed off of, of his convictions. Now, the, the ex-vice president of the United States, Mike Pence, born-again Christian, I don't know if he was spirit-filled. I didn't really research that deeply. But he was recently speaking somewhere, and here's what he said. He said, I first of all am a Christian, and then, uh, I think he said father and husband, and then I'm a politician. He said that to a, a crowd of people. He made it really clear that he was not going to compromise on Christianity and who he was. And so really that's what Kurt Warner did. So that's why, you, you know, we get to first base, but then the next thing we want to do is we want to make sure we get established in the Word and also trained up. So um, look at here some other scriptures, John 8 and verse 33. It says, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, 
If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple. So it's interesting. They already believed, but he's saying to stay in the word. And then he, then he says this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And that's kind of like all of us. We, you hear, I heard the truth that you must be born again. I believed, I accepted him. But after I got saved, there was a lot of other things that I needed to know. So we, we are continuing to stay in the word. We continue to be, become more established and uh, more trained up for what God has for us. And then Acts chapter 18 and verse 24, it says, and a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. This is like a practical example of what I'm talking about. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. Uh, so notice that this guy's eloquent and he's competent in the scriptures, Apollos. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. So this guy was a good speaker, he was eloquent and all, but then notice that he only knew the baptism of John. So then verse 26, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So th there's nothing wrong with getting out there, but then, you know, you wanna, when you do get out there, you wanna make sure you, you rightly interpret the scripture. But they dealt with this in a really good way. They took him aside privately. He was already out there, and they just explained to him more clearly. So that's why we want to make sure we're established, we rightly divide the word, and we're trained up. Then we want to get to third base. And here's the thing about third base. I'm just calling that third base is like bearing fruit. But it's really important to know this, that you can bear fruit immediately. Because when I got saved, I didn't know anything in the Bible because I went to a church that never looked into the Bible. All I knew is you must be born again. And as soon as I received Jesus as Lord, as the next day I was telling my mother and father and the rest of my brothers that weren't saved, you must be born again. I told them my story. So I immediately began to give what I had. So when we talk about bearing fruit, you can, it doesn't mean you have to go like, go like 10 years of study, then I'm gonna open my mouth. I'm surely not saying that. Every one of us can tell our story immediately. Somebody receives healing through the word and you can say, hey, I was sick and I took these scriptures and I meditated on them and I prayed and I received my healing. You can tell that story. So when I say bearing fruit, I'm not saying that we have to wait this long period of time and, and I'm not trying to be legalistic or anything like that, but it's just a little bit different to tell your story and then, but then to teach doctrine. And so somebody that decides to teach doctrine, they just need to uh, study, show themselves approved, and rightly divide the word. Now concerning fruit, look at, here's a scripture, John 15 and verse seven and eight. That says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We could stop right there and shout over that. Thank God for that. Then it says, though, but by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So Jesus said this and Jesus, he really wants every Christian, every follower to bear prayer fruit, but not only prayer fruit. I think he wants us to bear fruit where we bring people to first base. He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. And then in preaching that make disciples. So that's part of our fruit. So this uh, conference that I went to, 
on Friday. He was funny, this guy, but he, he, told, he said a lot of funny things, had us all laughing, but then he hit you. You know how you can do that, get somebody laughing and then hit him really hard with something. And he, he, he made this comment. He said, I learned over the years not to judge anything quickly. I've learned to like thinking what, whatever I'm saying, what happens in 20, what effect does what I say have on somebody in 20 years from now? And so he was a youth pastor for a number of years. And so when he said that, he just went through the different youth that he had and he named names. He said, all of these are still walking with Jesus. But then sadly, he said, this one, this one isn't, they did this, they went here and et cetera. And he said, I'm looking back now a number of years. And he said, so instead of looking like, oh, this, I preached a great message and making a big thing out of a great message, he said, you don't know the effect a message has until you look down the road for years. And so even as a church, it's not about having, like every week having a better message. It's about whatever we're in, whatever we're looking at in the word, what kind of fruit does it produce? We want to make sure that it's lasting fruit and it's, it's working past every, it's not just something on one Sunday and say, well, I'm waiting for next Sunday, but no, it, this word's going out today, but we can do with something with it tomorrow and it's going to continue to work in me years down the road. That's having a bigger outlook, more eternal outlook. So we want to bear fruit and uh, make sure that that's what we live for. So with all that said, Let's talk about home plate then. Uh, home plate, I just want to say that, call it eternity, okay? So here's what Matthew 6 and verse 19 says. It says, don't store up treasures on earth where moths and uh, moss eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moss and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in. So notice there, store your treasures in heaven. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So I know that this has been used throughout the years when, when you receive an offering, but let's use it differently today. Let's say that like this, one way we can store treasure up in heaven is by investing and in getting people there. So another way to look at it. It says then wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So why not make the desires of our hearts, why not make that for souls? I mentioned last week how Smith Wigglesworth, uh, you know, he had some amazing miracles. I don't remember if it's seven or nine people were raised from the dead through, through, by him. But, you know, to show you how every day he was, he, he would pray and say, Lord, lead me to one person today that I can share Jesus with. And I think, wow, that's just like, here's a guy that had, minister, he, he had people raised from the dead, but he cares about that one soul. So this is like thinking about us, why not make souls like a treasure? Where, where, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So with that said, I'm gonna just give four practical steps for end time living, and, uh, and some of these are not even directly tied in with what I preach, but I think it will help us. So living in the end times, here's the first thing, and that's uh, for all of us, look up. 
And, and the reason I'm even bringing the, it doesn't seem like directly tied in, but see, if we look down and we look ahead instead of looking up, and I can say this from experience, there's a lot of stuff out there going on in the news and what governments are doing and, and things that they can bring, you know, and, and I know it really depends on, is it an opinion, is it a view, you know, and so if you brush aside opinions and different views, there's things going on out there. If we look at those and we look down instead of looking up, we can become very distracted, we can be discouraged, we can be angry. I've dealt with all of those things by just seeing what's going on in the news. So even to make souls and to have this heart for souls, if we look that way, it can be so distracting. So looking up, because our redemption draws nigh, helps us. Say Jesus comes next week. I can be really concerned about, like I see how, uh, now I was just in, in the States for two months, so, and I'm seeing all the spending that's going on and, and what's going on with, with the spending, with the money. And I always think, what, when does a nation go bankrupt? You know, and so I, I look at that and I think, wow, but see, I can carry that and I can be concerned and then I can tell people like how stupid they are for spending, but I'm, I'm not thinking about souls. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking there. I'm looking at the news. I'm looking at this, and I'm not thinking about souls. So it's a daily thing. I have to choose not to let that stuff bother me. And that's what all... So look up. That's, and that's for our comfort. So this first one, looking up, it's for our comfort. The second one is love one another, okay? And so loving one another, why, why would I put that on there? And that's because the world, Jesus said, the world will know us by our love for one another. So the first one is we look up for our comfort, but the second one is we love one another because that's for our witness. If you want to be, one way to, to quietly be a witness, subtly be a witness, is that we love one another. And, and I, I know I've said this before, but it's okay to repeat it. If you get on YouTube and you know the algorithm, so I like to look at teachings on YouTube. And so I get fed the algorithms of Bible teaching. And so because I get, I see that these certain ministers in the body of Christ, they're always going after other ministers concerning their doctrine. And so, you know, there's a lot of people on YouTube that are not Christians. So YouTube is used to go after, and it doesn't come across at all that people are loving one another and that it messes up the witness. And so even for us, like talking to non-saved people about other Christians messes up the witness. And so we look up, that's for our comfort. We love one another, that's for our witness. And then number three, we meet together, which we're doing right now. Uh, but Hebrews 10, 25, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching nearer. So that day's coming near. So it's even more than any time. It's so good to meet together 
that's for our spiritual well-being. So look up for our comfort, uh, love one another to be a witness, meet together for spiritual well-being, and then lastly, and this one is a repeat from last week, but I'm doing this because I feel like there's an urgency. And that's this, we pray, we ask for rain. And so this is for our response, this is our responsibility. So we do something for comfort, we do something to be a witness, something for our spiritual well-being, but then here's like responsibility. Uh, James 5, 7 says, be patient therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and the latter rain. So that event that I just mentioned, it's gonna be the most mind-boggling event ever, that won't happen until the fruit, he's not coming until all the fruit's in. And so depending on your view, there, there, you know, I just happen to take this view, there's gonna be a rapture, there's gonna be seven years of tribulation, and then he's gonna come back. And so really, when the rapture happens, uh, depending on your view, it's still gonna have a time of those seven years where people can still accept Jesus as Lord. And that might be some of the biggest harvest coming in because all the people that thought we were crazy and nuts saying that there's a rapture coming and that Jesus is coming back when, and they think you're just a bunch of like religious far out freaks, all that kind of stuff. And when the rapture happens, they're, they're gonna start thinking, oh, they were right. You talk about a bunch of hearts that will, you know, be open to receiving Jesus. And, and so, um, but nonetheless, here's what it says in Zechariah 10.1. It says, ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. So if we're in the time of the latter rain, this is our responsibility, he said, to ask for rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. So I mentioned this last week, but like when, when there's flashing clouds, I said that could, that could very well represent the gifts of the Spirit, healings, miracles, things that get people's attention. Nicodema, his attention was gotten by Jesus through the miracles, but then when, when, when he came to Jesus, Jesus said, you must be born again. And so these things that can come on, not just in, in our four walls, but Christians out there, individual Christians working miracles out there. All of that out there. This is what, when, when there's rain that gets poured down, it changes everything. You know, probably the, the best one ever that I heard is the one that happened in England, the Welsh Revival, and it was so powerful that people were falling over under the power on the streets. And people were so changed that they closed the pubs because they had no business. They closed the brothels. There, were no, there was no, a city was transformed because the, the out, God poured his glory out on a city. And so if you study that, there were people that prayed. They start praying years before that happened. So we look up. We love one another, we meet together, but we pray, we ask for rain because it's our responsibility as the church. And so I, I, no matter if we're the only ones doing it, fine, but I know that I was just in, in California and I spoke at a church in California two weeks ago and I brought that up and the pastor told me after, he said, I did, I did that two weeks ago. See, it's starting to happen. We're, 
this is starting to happen, okay? So that said, I'm going to pray, and I want you guys to pray. I just, you know, I want everyone in here, if, if you're a Christian, if we're all going to ask for rain. And let's make this like a lifestyle, like when you think about it on Monday through Saturday, that we can ask for rain. Hallelujah. So, Father, thank you. I thank you. I thank you for us individually, and I thank you as a corporate body, Lord, that we can individually, we could ask with our heart and believe when we pray that we receive. We believe we receive. Lord, we ask for rain in the time of the latter rain. You said during this time to ask. We accept the responsibility. We ask, Lord, we ask that you would pour your spirit out, your glory out on all the nations of the world. Lord, we thank you that this is not just for one nation, one church, one city. This is for the world. So, Lord, we ask that you pour your rain out on the earth, that your glory would fall on the earth. Your presence, hallelujah, would fall on the earth. Lord, we desire an outpouring of your glory. We're in the time of the latter rain, Lord. Thank you for making flashing clouds. Thank you for the gifts of the Spirit, the working of miracles, the gift of faith, the gifts of healings. Thank you for prophecy, Lord. We thank you for discerning the spirits, Lord. Uh, all the, the different gifts of the Spirit, Lord. We thank you, Father God. We ask, Lord, we desire those gifts, Father God, that you would come to us like the rain, that these would work in in every Christian believer out in their areas of influence, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. Uh, and, then, and then let's just pray. Like while you're sitting there, you can pray in the spirit just for a few minutes. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father God. We thank you. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you that we can pray in our understanding. We can pray in the spirit. We can do both things. Father, I thank you for even calling people, uh, calling people even today that there would be calls that come upon people to pray, that there would be calls to prayer. Hallelujah. Yea, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for rain. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. We're willing to pray out your plans and purposes, Lord. We, we, we accept the eternal purpose that we're on the earth for. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for eternal purpose. Eternal fruit. Hallelujah. Long-lasting eternal fruit that you have for us. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. We thank you for your plans and your purposes. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Honor and praise to you, Lord. Honor and praise to you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Uh, come, okay, Karen, you can come up. You, you got. Hallelujah. 
Let fall in showers, you heaven from above, and let the skies rain down righteousness. Hallelujah. The pure spiritual heaven-born possibilities that have their foundation in the holy being of God. Let the earth open and let the skies and the earth sprout forth righteousness, salvation, and let righteousness germinate and spring up as plants do together. For I, the Lord, have created it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, He is God. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I believe it again for this service that the Spirit of God is saying, tend your field. If you can't see the rain around the whole earth, tend your field. Pray for your field, your family, your neighbours, the people God puts in your field. Ask for rain for your field. And every believer asks for rain for their field. The rain of the Spirit will fall around the whole earth. Hallelujah. So today, tend your field. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you're with us today and... uh, You've been sitting there and you, you may have not understood everything said, maybe very little of it, because you're with us and you haven't yet received Jesus as your Lord. I'd like to invite you today, because you may be sitting here and even though you didn't understand everything, there's a tug on your heart and something's telling you what you are hearing is true. Something's telling you that you can't save yourself and you need a savior. And and something's telling you that Jesus is the savior. He is that way. You know that to be true. You may be fighting it in some ways, but you know that to be true. This is an opportunity that you can pray and receive him as savior. It's important when you pray that you pray from your heart. It isn't a prayer to just get out of the way, but it's a prayer inviting the creator of the universe to come on the inside of you and make you alive on the inside. It's a wonderful thing. The Bible says that once we have him, he'll never leave us or forsake us he said that nobody can pluck you out of my hand the Bible says that you become alive in him you become a new creature if you desire that today I'm gonna lead you in this prayer and all you have to do I I close my eyes when I pray this prayer because I prayed it from my heart is it's it's more than a simple prayer it's it's an you're inviting the Savior and you're you're accepting him and believing You're accepting him as your savior and you're believing that he can save you and you're receiving him. So let's do this. Uh, I'm gonna invite the the entire church family. You can repeat this after me. And so if you're sitting here, you don't have to be concerned that someone's listening to you. You can pray with mean, you pray out of your heart with some fervency and receive him as Lord. So let's do that. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, Thank you that you sent Jesus. You gave your only son. Jesus, thank you for your obedience. 
you left heaven and you came to earth for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. I receive you as my savior. You're welcome in my heart. I give you my heart. I give you my life. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Now, if that's the first time you prayed that prayer, your next step is important and we care about your next step. So there's a number of things you can do. You can go to our website and look under next steps. You can come up here because we have a prayer team up here at the end and you can say, I prayed that prayer and I want to know my next step. We want to make sure we care for you. Or you could go out to which both of them. There's a next step table right over here outside the auditorium up against that wall. Your next step's important. Hallelujah. I want to invite everyone to stand and we're going to sing as we go today. Let's think about the name of Jesus this week and let's think about souls this week. Hallelujah. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au. 